Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. A&E and Podcast One present PD Stories with Tom Morris Jr. Join Tom every Tuesday as he takes us behind the badge and walks a mile in an officer's shoes. The minute I got into law enforcement, I said, I want to find people that don't want to be found. There were people running across the bridge to get out of the city. From the World Trade Center. Yes. Our job is to also be a vanguard for communities of color. Get new episodes of PD Stories every Tuesday on Spotify, Podcast One, and Apple Podcasts. Welcome to Real Jam Radio. I am Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. My guest is Seth Partnow of The Athletic. We have a great conversation about, really, I mean, the center crux of it, we go in a lot of different directions, is about how the hiatus is going to affect the NBA, passage of time, of draft evaluation, player evaluation, and it was just a really interesting conversation. Runs about an hour, brought to you by Bet Online. You can use the Podcast One promo code for now a 100% sign-up bonus, which is amazing. And you can also hear my conversation with Dave Mason. We talked a little bit about WrestleMania 36 and Bet Online at the after the interview with Seth. So hope you enjoy it. Lots of really interesting stuff here that I haven't heard anywhere else because that's the things that Seth and I do. Thank you so much for coming on. It is a joy to be back. Uh, it is uh, a lot's happened. We the last time we talked was about three weeks ago. You were you were the last podcast for Real Gym Radio before the hiatus, and yeah. um, and so that, I I mean there, you're a great person to have on because there are a lot of things that we can discuss. And before we started recording, one of the angles that and I think this is a great place to start is we don't know how long it's going to be, and there will be a lot of determining factors in that that we don't yet know, but. There is going to be a passage of time between the hiatus and when things get back, whether in whole or in part. And I think there's been a lot of talk, and justifiably so, about, you know, like, okay, who does the hiatus help and who does it hurt? But I want to talk a little bit about kind of where things will be whenever that point is and, you know, like the passage of time. And I thought a good place to start with that was the team that actually currently has the worst record in the NBA, and that's the Golden State Warriors. Because... There is this idea that when they're back to full strength, Clay Thompson's back and everything, they'll, they'll have a lot of the pieces together. And maybe if in an ideal world, Andrew Wiggins is like a different version of Harrison Barnes or something like that that's been a player comp before, that they'll be similar. But passage of time is an important consideration here. I, yeah, I, I agree with that, though. I mean, the on the Clay Thompson angle, is it, you know, is it the. I. I I'm not sure. We, we've often thought of injuries like an ACL as a two-season injury and, like, you miss the one season and then you're not right until the second season. And I'm not sure how much of that is, like, passage of time and, and strength versus how much is just getting – trusting your body again to just, like, unconsciously do the things you could do before. And so uh, to some extent with, like – to the extent he's able to do, like, rehabby stuff – like the passage of time helps to the extent that he just needs reps. It's not really doing much for him. So that's a, that is sort of an unknown. Um, and certainly with, you know, them being the, the team that is like kind of whatever form any postseason from the 1920 season takes, um, the Warriors won't be in it. So it, it it's like, okay, theoretically when they come back, he could be back on the court, but that's more of a, of a rehab stint than a, then, uh, oh, the Warriors are back, baby. 
Well, and, and something situation. else with the, with the clay part of this that I, I, I've been thinking about is, I mean, we, players unfortunately tear their ACLs at various times in the year, and I wonder if there's anything to, to the idea that that it takes that, that extra six months, like there's kind of like the 12 months you can return, but it's 18 months to be back is the general timeline that I've heard. You've said two-year injury. I think that could be reasonable as well. Is I wonder if, as things look right now, like Clay Thompson is going to be playing less in that period of time between when he could have theoretically returned but not been 100% and when he is 100%. I wonder if that changes anything about the nature of the recovery too. Yeah, and I just I I just don't think we know. I mean, a a recent data point is maybe uh, Christoph Porzingis, who it seemed like if you kind of did like a two like almost a two year like plot of when he when he was two years post injury. Uh, that's that is going to be pretty close to the point where he started playing pretty well this year. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I think that's that is a data point. But he also was getting reps, so it wasn't just that he sat for, you know. So it's again, that's that's somewhat equivocal, and it's one data point, and also like you know, playing with Luca and get and, and it may have been you know a comfort factor in the new role, and on top of. Kind of physical wellness and stuff like that. So it's, I, it's, it's tough to read uh, to to read too much into that. Um, I think the 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 not to take us a different direction, but I think the the almost a more interesting than looking at specific teams is both for the way, however, nineteen twenty plays out, whatever happens in, in with the schedule in twenty twenty one, and just kind of what structural changes happen going forward. Um, I think that there is going to be some kind of there are going to be teams that are better able to deal with that just by um, having the mental and organizational flexibility to identify what's different. And so there's going to be some ways in which, you know, just doing things the way they've always been done just is no longer tenable. Um, Obviously, the first thing that comes to mind is scouting, like how are how are scouting regimes going to going to change in in whatever the the post like covid situation is and i i don't know but there are going to be teams that navigate that better than others and again i think that's going to be the the teams that have the the kind of the flexibility to examine their priors on on what uh, what is important what works in this environment what's possible what's not well, and along those lines, and I, I think you would probably group this into an extent with scouting, is part of the role of the general manager is filtering and evaluating all the inputs. And so if something becomes more or less reliable, adjusting that as a part of your thought process and how do you value this? And I mean, that's something that Sam Vecini and I talked about last week in terms of the draft, that the inputs are just dramatically different this year. And mm-hmm. um, I was reading an interesting piece uh, from Bill Barnwell on how football has changed this offseason. And so they're full on in the offseason, which basketball is not. And one of the things that which, he, by the way, is is insane. But oh, totally. Well, and yeah. that's kind of what he was getting at is this idea that one of the impacts during this COVID time, and we'll see kind of where basketball's offseason places within all this, is there has been a much greater hesitancy to deal with injuries that need to be evaluated more fully. So, like he used the example of Cam Newton or Jadavian Clowney in football, but you could think about a, a bunch of different basketball examples of that. A, players who are coming into the draft 
who have very real injury concerns. Maybe they're coming off of an injury or anything like that. Or, I mean, in one thing that's different in basketball at this level than in football like free agency is players who are less known commodities. I mean, there are players who are into this, who are coming into this draft class who we don't even know, like, their physical measurements, like, at least in, in a form that is completely reliable. And so there is a lot of intel that is normally taken for granted that we're not going to know at all. Right. And the whole kind of the whole um, the dance of like the pre-draft process, um, there's a very real chance that there might be sort of an emperor's new clothes situation around that. This is something that I uh, like uh, Ben Falk has written about this uh, some and I've and he and I have talked about this. And I think we've talked about this is just like the the. Because it happens right in front of your eyes, the tendency to want, oh, we had this guy in for a workout and he did X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, what have we done? What what's the what is the work we've done over the last, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, two, three, four years, like scouting this guy? If it's all just going to get thrown out because of a of a forty five minute workout, and and now that that sort of yeah, as, as you and say, maybe you put him in a workout against somebody, or they were however it worked out against somebody who who is non representative and doesn't make sense, and so maybe they looked really good or really bad, but they're not. Or it's their it. it's their like like uh, uh, a couple of years ago we had a guy uh, uh, I think it was I mean I uh, you know it, it, Aaron Holiday came in for a workout he wasn't very good in in the workout, uh, but then you find out that it was his fourteenth workout in like nineteen days. Yeah. It's like, well, of course he wasn't very good. Like he's, you know, he's he's been everywhere, hasn't slept, been on airplanes, been in hotel rooms, had like and these workouts are aren't trivial, you know. So, yeah. Shockingly, he didn't he didn't he didn't look great. He didn't have a lot of he didn't have a lot of pop that day. Um Well, and then, but, and then another part of that, um something that I've become more attuned to partially as my work level has changed is the amount of film you have from before the current and and of in-person evaluation from before the present so you yeah. know like let's say a player was in played in FIBA when they were 17 or they were in the Nike hoop summit or they were you know what 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 they were in Colorado Springs for something like all of those you know you, it's a lot of times they're less predictive because they're further out and the, they could have changed as players maybe their bodies or all this sort of stuff but it's like the fortunate thing is that a lot of high-end basketball prospects have been high-end basketball prospects for a long time, and so you might be relying more on those pieces of information. And again, it might be that some of that is actually a good thing. You know, you think about, I mean, we don't know exactly where Michael Porter Jr. is going, but I think there were a lot of teams that were super risk-averse with him. And, and yeah, back issue is something fundamentally different than certain other things. But it's like remembering that, oh, yeah, he was a really talented guy before all this happened. Yeah, Um I mean, I don't think I think that the the issue with with Porter and, and the risk aversion wasn't just that just the injury issue that that was substantial. Sure. It's also like, do we know this guy is good? You know, because you know there, there 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 wasn't exactly a huge sample of of high level competition right. even for him. Um, you know, and you know, six ten athletic guy who can shoot in a kind of high school and AAU setting. Yeah, he looks awesome. Then you get to you know, you, you get to or not even a, a high D1 level and you don't even get to see that. So it's even like you you didn't even see him pass that first hurdle. And, you know, for if we're talking about like risk factors, like I think we've all seen guys who are hugely hyped high school prospects who get to college and you're like, ooh, no, 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 that's not it. Um, and, you know, 
on some level that might be predicted like that there might be something predictable about that but sometimes just the step up in competition kind of exposes some things that you know the guy doesn't have yet or doesn't or just doesn't have yeah and there, and there um, are a bunch of different things that could be that could be skill development it could be maybe that they were bigger and stronger than inferior peers but once they moved up and it was more equal levels that they just couldn't that they just didn't have the same advantages anymore and it eroded some of what they did right exactly and that's you know you you see that a lot with with kind of guys who are who who are like the 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 super athlete types it's like okay for for that level he's an elite athlete for this next level he's an elite for the next level is he just a pretty good athlete if he's just a pretty good athlete what does he have i remember the, the example for me of that and i disagreed with a lot of people at the time was josh jackson like I thought when I when I, so some people when they saw Josh Jackson like I saw him play in person at Prolific Prep because it was nearby in Napa, and some people were comparing him to like T Mac and some of these other players. And when I saw him in person, I just Calm thought, down. <laughs> I just thought, oh, he's not that level of athlete. Like he's talented. Like he's I mean he's he's an, a, a player, but it's like to me there there were differences. Like to me, he was like a very he was more of that like very good college athlete, pretty good pro athlete, rather than elite college athlete, very good to elite pro athlete like in terms of that calibration and that's just and it can be hard because also players are evolving physically and mentally and skill wise over the course of their careers but it was like in that basic like is he running and jumping at the same level as like the crazy people that we see in the nba it didn't look that way to me yeah no and i think that like on the other the other hand the guy who like you you maybe overcompensated for having those doubts last year was brandon clark like yeah he was he was an elite college athlete and it turns out on you know two thirds of a season of evidence that he is he is there or thereabouts in the NBA level, and you don't you can't, and it's sort of hard to always tell, especially for a guy who is not you know in a power conference like like he was. So yeah, those those sort of comparative evaluations are just you know there's it's a lot of uh, the range of uncertainty is just wider on these guys. It's already a huge range of uncertainty. It's just you know. That what is knowable going in is just lesser, and that's before we even get to like the the ability to you know do on campus intel and 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 that whole process. I mean, I I have to imagine that like the background calls are just harder this year than they've like. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't both, have time to talk. They're both like, harder and they're more. They take up a larger port of the mental makeup part because you aren't probably going to get many in-person interviews. Like I'm guessing right. maybe they'll try to structure some Skype things and, and, and you know, in that realm. But it's not the same as, as what you would see in a normal setting. Yeah, and, that, and again, that's, an, that's, another, that, that's another sort of area where uh, the, the, what, the, what the signal is from, from, those, from those kind of situations. It's, you know, we talk about this a lot in, in like the, the, the draft evaluation area is the same kind of piece of information about a guy uh, it becomes a different characteristic if you if you come into the the evaluation liking the guy versus not you know it's a a guy is competitive versus a guy's an asshole and if you you know if you like his game he's competitive if you don't like his game he's an asshole and yeah it's like it's like the, the same it's like the crazy of, eccentric differentiation sometimes right right yeah he's he he, he he's different or he's flighty exactly any any of these things are you know you're describing the same behaviors. Uh, and just you know whether it becomes a a pejorative or a plus factor um, is is probably more determined by 
your your prior view of the player than an objective evaluation of that trait. Well, I don't know if you've watched film on him yet. I've I've almost finished. <laughs> almost um, certainly not. But go I've, ahead. I've almost finished my my film work on Obi Toppin, somebody that I'm probably not going to talk about with Nate for weeks, if not a month. Yeah. And one of the like something that I found really interesting watching watching his film is going from Dayton, and he basically not exclusively, but largely played center at Dayton. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to be, you know, he might play some five, but, you know, a four slash five of the NBA. I, was, I kept on thinking about how I, I, there were a lot of things that looked really good, but there were also a lot of things that I just kept on. I couldn't shake the feeling that it was really non-representative. And I'm sure that's just a giant challenge for evaluators, especially kind of when you're not on the wings or when it, or like because point guards, point guards, you know, it's I think a lot of it depending on spacing and some of those things. But like if a guy's changing positions and so like, I mean, one of the best things Toppin did was he was even though he was wasn't huge for his position he was a really effective post-up guy how often do teams post up power forwards in the modern nba right well i mean i think for that you've actually picked a guy that i have just sort of accidentally looked into just a little bit and um the bigger concern for him is is like defensively like he wasn't a oh he's not he's like by a number of kind of statistical indicators was not an awesome defender even at like the dayton level um, and then, you know, having to, you know, having the, the, the tweener skill set, like, you know, maybe, maybe that is kinder to him cause he can kind of run around on the floor and it doesn't matter that he's, he's maybe not a great rebounder and protector, but it's still like a giant concern. Um, the kind of the athletic, uh, the athletic, not super skilled for is, uh, is a is a is a tough needle to thread right now. Yeah, and and shooting does help, and that's yeah. something you know. Offensively, he has a lot of a lot of tools in the toolbox that can work. But yeah, I mean that's it, it, it with some of those players and him in particular, and something else with Toppin that I just found so fascinating. Uh, I'll, I'll spend some time talking about this with Nate too, and probably with Sam at some point. Is his extremely unusual path to this point? So I mean. I brought up with Michael Porter Jr. that there's the you know the hoop summit and the, the all the McDonald's games and all that. Like with Wiseman, you can go back and watch some of those things because he played in he played in that and he did some FIBA stuff, but that was years ago before because he was hurt for the more recent one that he could have played in. But with Toppin, he was not offered by any D1 school out of high school, and then when he grew in grew in, in his prep school, then he started getting offers, and then he redshirted a year at Dayton. So it's like the sample size that we have to work from him is just so unusual, which is a challenge for evaluators and whatever you're bent within that realm. It's just such a different sample. Yeah, and and right, and, and you, how how much to discount the early stuff versus now. Is. Yeah, there was there was something I, I wish I had the had it on hand, but there was it was about the like whether RSCI, which is kind of like the aggregator of a lot of the high school ranking services, I think they do might do their own. I can't remember for sure, but like that there is a predictive part of that too. That like sometimes guys who were talented who were talented enough to be highly touted guys and didn't do as successfully in college ended up working out. Of course, then there's another group that just straight up washed out. Like that happens right. too. But it is interesting how all those different pieces fit together. <laughs> I've I've found in the past that RSCI is 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 I mean, considering the population size of of uh, of of like basketball prospects, they do a pretty good job I think. Um, and this is and you can even back before it was kind of the RSCI rate rankings. Even if you just go back and look at like McDonald's All American rosters for 
the last, I don't know. So I haven't, I haven't redone the, the exercise in probably four or five years, but it, I want to say that like over, you know, a, a, as far back as I could find McDonald's all American rosters, like the rate of guys who played in the McDonald's game to guys who got like drafted and drafted in the first round and played in the NBA was like pretty high considering like, Hey, and this is, you know, even going back when guys were, were four year players, right? Like if you can, you're identifying it at 17, the guy who's going to be one of the, the, the 30 or 40 best players in college, uh, in four years, um, at a, at a high rate. I mean, you know, you're, you, it's, uh, so there, there's, there is something there, you know, Part of it is the is the physical tools necessary to be a high level NBA player or just an NBA player at all are you know are are fairly evident just in terms of frame. Um, so I think that that probably makes yeah, that a so, little and, bit easier than some for some those, sports. And some of those things are hard to be a late bloomer on. Like there are certain parts that can't be. You know, guys can cut up, they can do other things. But it's like if you can run and jump at seventeen, I think that's a pretty good predictor that you'll be right. able to do that at nineteen as opposed to somebody who couldn't. Well, and, and not just if you can run and jump, if you can run and jump and are, you know, a, a six, six or above with, with long arms. Yeah. Like, and okay. ideally can dribble a basketball. Like, yeah. You know, yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, no, I think that it's, it's easy to get lost in that. And especially, you know, as players are moving through quicker and, you know, they're the, uh, it's, it's one of those things that as it's become known as an indicator, there's like a cottage industry in sort of, um, uh, kind of hype beasting guys higher in the rankings than maybe they should be, uh, and so maybe that, it, like as we look at it, maybe it will start to become a less reliable indicator over time. Um, and I, I think to some degree, again, it probably already has, just because there's so there's there's less time to vet players from when they get ranked recruiting wise to when they are ultimately subject of a, of a draft decision. Well, and also there can be pressure, you know, I said one of the benefits of the McDonald's thing versus some, you know, when some services rank freshmen and sophomores and all that is you can, and I think of the stickiness of a top 25, like in college basketball rankings, sometimes you get more reluctant to move somebody. So those earlier evaluations matter more as whereas McDonald's, it can be more about like who's good right now. And they're, they're not always perfect. No, they, they aren't always, but if you only have to choose it once, it's a lot, in some ways it can be easier to get it right than if you have to choose, if you have to keep on adjusting based on a prior right no this guy was this, this guy was the best eighth grader in his class and then it's like it, you know it uh it, it that that had that does have an anchoring effect on on later later rounds plenty more to talk about with seth but first a message from bet online while there's currently no nba nhl or major league baseball you might think there's nothing to bet on well you'd be wrong Especially this week, WrestleMania 36 takes center stage for a massive two-night event Saturday, April 4th and Sunday, April 5th, hosted by Rob Gronkowski. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, has all the WrestleMania 36 action, including a fascinating match between established superstar and star in the making, trying to make his, to trying to climb his way back up to the top, John Cena versus Bray the Fiend Wyatt. Cena was ready to step aside, but Wyatt poked the bear, and now he has to back up his talk. Wyatt has no room for error and needs to put away Cena on his way back to a title shot. Cena would love to have the spotlight one more time. Cena versus Wyatt doesn't get any better. Go to Bet Online for all your WrestleMania 36 action. Use that Podcast One promo code for a 100%, that's double the usual, sign-up bonus. Visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to get that to get that bonus. Also, you can listen to after my entire podcast with Seth. You can hear me talk about this with Dave Mason of Bet Online. But either way, visit our good friends and exclusive 
partner of Podcast One, bet online to take advantage of the best bonuses in business and use the Podcast One promo code for your 100% sign up bonus. There are a couple different other areas kind of related to this that I want to get to. Um, I'll start with the Warriors one and then move to the other one because I think there's more jumping off to do from the other one. So with the Warriors, the, another place I was getting with that intro was how so the analog for the for in the the optimists for the twenty slash twenty one Warriors is going to be fifteen sixteen pre Durant everything like that. But Stephen Curry, that's going to be his age thirty two season. Draymond age thirty. And, you know, Clay's going to be coming back from an ACL injury. And I think something we got into, uh, so you, Sam, Sam Vecini, Dave DeFore, and I are doing a collaborative series for The Athletic, which will launch at TBD. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that we discussed in that was whether that is a reliable enough piece of information, considering where in the arc of their, you know, prime, pre-prime, post-prime, those players were then. I mean, that was peak of his power, Steph Curry. And yeah, maybe there, maybe when now that he can get to a higher usage, maybe some of that will come back a little bit. But this is very different for those guys physically than it was then. And I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I think it's also it's not just those guys; it's everything else around them. I mean, right. it's something that has been remarked upon, like as the Warriors moved into the last couple of years of their of their you know finals windows, was how hollowed out the rest of the roster had become. It, 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 because of you know uh, forced by the the like the four star system, um, and you know well, part of well, the reason I'll push back a little bit. It's far, part, forced by the four star system, but also that they didn't draft particularly well. Like oh, was, yeah. they they didn't they didn't refill the coffers for a lot of those years. You know they were picking late, and it wasn't like they did what some of those Rockets teams had to do, where they had I'm using had to in that sense of you know the, the at points Maury used first round picks to shed salary or to do specific things. The Warriors didn't really do as much of that. It's just that they drafted guys like Jacob Evans and didn't work out super well. Yeah, and and you know you it's hard to the hit rate is it, low. It, it will, uh, the hit rate for a, a a guy in the late twenties getting drafted to a team that's already really good. Like that's that's just you know. For a number of reasons, you know, the, the reasonable expectations like they yes, they underperformed what reasonable expectations would be in terms of that kind of addition of talent. But you can't really be expecting much. Um, just, you know, I, I think we've talked about this before from an organizational standpoint, your your focus just is naturally less on, oh, who is this 17 year old <laughs> then because, you know, by the time that guy is relevant uh, it, it's it's not gonna your your window and and his do not align right and, and so the so other that, the other kind of component of that that is in in the short term versus long term building an asset base is that using a lot of one year minimum contracts that's a great way to make your team better in the near term and if you can keep that going which the Warriors largely have and use you know mid level and some of those other things that can be it can work year to year but also it's not a way to you know there you can't even get like low end rotation players that necessarily carry over unless you end up using bird rights or a different exception to bring the guy back right it's and it's um and you know it's it, again you you'd like to say that you can be great at everything all the time but i just don't think that's realistic agreed 100% and, and so and so i you know this is not a when we say when i say that they their, their organizational focus was obviously much more on the short term than on like long range evaluation development identification uh i'm just i'm just describing what is it's not that's not 
that is that is there's some element of criticism in there, but it's muted because of you know you have you you have the 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 organizational focus that you have, and I don't think that I, I don't think it's realistic to say that they that that everyone can you know every area can't be your top priority. Put it that way, yeah. and like of course the Warriors' top priority was to win now. Um, so now, could they have done better? Another sure, but it's it, it, but they're not they're not the first, and they won't be the last team to kind of not really uh, not service kind of the development and identification areas as well as they might while they're you know a contending team. I mean, the part of the reason why like the 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 uh, the like the Lob City Clippers never really got there was more thing, mm-hmm. right? They, you know, and and it's funny because you, you think like uh, Reggie Bullock never or, uh, never really got a chance, um, and then he's turned into you know he's not a he's not a world beater, but he's a solid pro. And if the, I mean that team needed a few more solid pros, and maybe maybe if they had had the the wherewithal to to focus more, but they didn't, and, and understandably so. I mean, part of that is you know if you've got a veteran team, you're not practicing as much. Um, there aren't as many game opportunities for kind of the younger guys, and again, your your you know your intellectual basis of your organization is focused more on you know the now. Well, and you can even than, think about it. You have a specific number of people on your coaching staff, and if they're spending a lot of their mental energy thinking about right. how to maximize you know your best players, then there is there's less. Yeah, and you, maybe you hire more coaches, but really there are some fundamental constraints with all that type of stuff that I think really do come into play. And I, I think it's there's an analog here. It's something that comes up in various different, whether you're doing organization rankings, GM, coach, and all the type of stuff, is that there are a lot of different facets of all of these jobs. And that's part of what makes them so challenging, really. And it's true in various sports. I mean, you could use managers in, in international soccer or any any number of other things as, as an analog here. But really, it's it's the idea that there are a lot of different things, and just because you're not doing part of it well, isn't some. It, it can be. It is a criticism. You know, I, obviously, the ideal would be that some some entity that's great at everything. But it's also understandable to have certain areas that lapse, especially when they are not a priority. Right. Well, I mean, you talked about coaches. I mean, even this is like you. You obviously know far more about Ron Adams than I do. Mm-hmm. But is Ron Adams a better? Is he? Does he provide more value to an organization as like a uh, a tactician, schemer, strategist? Uh, implementer of those things, or as a player development guy. Yeah, I mean, I, he's done I like, bo- he's done both at different parts of his career. But I think that one of the things with the Warriors is that he couldn't spend as much time with development because they had to do right. a lot of tactical work. Well, and but I but I mean, I think it's I mean, you know, I, as by reputation, if nothing else, as good as he is at the, at that stuff, like he's probably less good at the development stuff because that's you know they're you know again. It's, it, 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 there's a reason why pitchers aren't good are, are like major league level pitchers aren't major league level hitters usually it's, well, it's and, like and also both talents are rare also you could think about it that if there's a coach who's really who wants to build their rep as developmental they're not going to go to a team with a bunch of vets they're going to go right. somewhere where they can they could say hey i'm the reason trey young is trey young they're not going to say hey i'm the reason jacob evans is jacob evans <laughs> yeah no i think uh I mean, there's 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 a number of reasons why. Again, like it's just it's it's inevitable on some level. So, 
Yeah, but but in any event, I think we're that we've kind of bounced off the main point, which is that they 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 or their their roster is is a little bit hollower. I mean, part of the reason, like like, is Steph going to be able to take off fourth quarters like he could in like that that pre Durant run? You know, they were the part of it is they were just so dominant that there were. 30 was it 30 games that's like one of those seasons that he didn't he never played in the fourth quarter I, yeah, I don't, it might not I, have been that i, many, I don't think it was that it was... many i think it was like 20 but still totally ridiculous and and also i focused a lot on what i called the critical mass of like intelligence and passing and communication on defense and without andre guadala and with you know and harrison barnes as as sean livingston sean livingston you know like in as imperfect as barnes was he at least fit some of those things you know like he could he could he could yeah. be a cog in the machine in a way that Wiggins never has. And so, yeah, Livingston's a great example here. Iguodala, too. And also, I mean, Andrew Bogut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe, the, there, there were a lot of pieces on those teams that even beyond the aging of the stars, which, I mean, I think it's reasonable I mean, to expect. Even David Lee. Yeah. Well, Lee, I believe Lee was on the uh, – he was on the 14-15 team. Right, 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 yeah. But, but, but he was but, on those – that era. Yeah. And they, you know, they got obviously they got some of that back or a lot of that back with David West, yes. um, uh, obviously. But like again, that's that that those kind of players are going to be hard to. And uh, and beyond that, they're going to be expensive because remember the Warriors have all this money; they have over 140 right. million tied up in their four biggest players, and we don't know where the salary cap is going to be for next season. But we do know that everything they spend money on, whether that's the Iguodala trade exception. The taxpayer MLE, even just signing their expensive draft picks if they don't trade those for other players, which could of course bring more expense, then all those things get very pricey for for any ownership group. And yeah, the Warriors have made a lot of money over the years, but also remember from a that's you know sp- spending money. This is something I, have to, I try to convey to people all the time. Is like. Spending bad money doesn't become that much more tolerable just because you're making a lot necessarily. If it's if you still feel like it's bad money, you don't want to do it. Right. Well, and and the Warriors are also getting into. I mean, you have a there's there's a there's a graphic that you produce talking showing like what the actual like expenditure is, and once their payroll gets into, you know the 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 one sixty range, right? They're they're starting to spend like every additional dollar they spend is like five or six. So that means that like, if they're going to add, uh, do I have the math right on that? Is it, I think that, I think it's, yeah, I think it's like four or five or something like that, but yeah, yeah. you're pretty close. Yeah. So that means like, they're going to, at that point, if you're going to add a marginal win with a veteran, now you're, you're not spending, you know, you're not spending the league average of, you know, three and a quarter million. You're spending 17 million per win. And like, okay, if that's the, if that's the theoretical win that puts you over the top, Maybe it's worth it, but man, that is that is that is tough. That's tough math to overcome, and at, and it might even get tougher. I mean, if the cap yeah, ends up, I, I mean, right. I, I, if the cap ends up dropping, then that gets even more complicated. Well, well the flip side of that is also there. They are um, in prospect. There are more kind of uh, competition for ring chasey spots. Oh yeah. Also, I mean, you, you like, can make a you can make a very good argument that you know, depending on what position you play, that the Warriors are not a particularly strong. I mean, they they could be a good team, but the Clippers, the Bucks, the Lakers, they all project yep. to be very good in the twenty slash twenty one season, and those teams 
are it's a more established commodity. So vets who are trying to go to a team that they know is going to be good, the Warriors have been the risk-averse option on that for years because everybody knew they were going to be good. That's not as mm-hmm. true anymore. Yep. No, that's exactly right. The other angle, I said there were two that I wanted to get into, and the other one that I think is a set of like the advantages and disadvantages the teams are going to have that I wanted to focus a little bit on is, however this happens, we're going to have a very different lead-in to next season. And so one of the other benefits there is teams that have a degree of continuity, not only in terms of like coaching and personnel, but also in terms of scheme, so they don't have to do all this adjustment, because we're probably going to get a really short training camp. We might see it where there's, there's not going to be probably a summer league or anything like that so teams that either want to or should change more thoroughly those teams are going to be at a much bigger disadvantage if you have to hit the ground running compared to the teams that are basically already put together sure though i mean the the whole issue of continuity is 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 a weird one yes um is it you know this this may be a situation where there there are more returns to continuity than normal for the reasons you spelled out. But I've it, the causa the generally speaking the causality behind teams that have continuity being better. Um, yeah. It's Locks, not Locks totally, talked about that a lot. It's not totally clear to me, which is yeah, we, we, you know because like okay, a, a team stays together because it is good just as much as it is good because it stayed together. Yeah, and it's, sometimes it can be hard to parse and separate. You know, when yeah. you talked about signal and noise and, and other elements, yeah. that's a really hard one to separate. Yeah, and and so, another like another element for me of the passage of time, I brought it up with the Warriors is like, I mean, in, in terms of you know who was hurt and who was maybe hurt less, or in certain extreme extents even helped by this hiatus, however long it goes. One of the other things that I've been thinking about a lot is depending on how we want to define terms. The teams that had narrower windows versus the teams that have wider ones. So like the Lakers, we don't know how long LeBron is going to be this level player. I mean, I've been I've been a LeBron optimist fairly pretty pretty notably. I mean a little bit less after after the groin issue and everything, which should have seemed like a short term thing just because he seemed mortal. But, you know, he's gonna turn thirty six in December. And at a certain point, it, it, uh, it, Nate's talked about the idea of like, you know, there's like a, let's say there's like a 25% chance of it happening any given year, but there's like, you know, you kind of add those up over time. And so like, I think that that's the other type of group. We don't know what, what it, we're going to be coming back to, whether it's the playoffs or we miss the playoffs or whatever. But I think that teams with narrow windows, it's just going to get hard. Yeah. Although in, in the sort of in, in this, the player empowerment era, um, and wonder what happens to the player empowerment era, the player empowerment era, um, just based on whatever change. Like, you know, the if you like, you just take a step back and just like every kind of underlying assumption about how the league works is a little bit up in the air right now. But that that uh, that um, that said, um, like, what team does have a have a length? What team that is in their window? has a lengthy window right now? It's a great question, especially because part of the player empowerment era has been shorter contracts. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and so one that you could turn to is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are both, you know, in their primes. They still have a little bit of time before, unless it's due to injury, before they really start getting real, a lot worse. But remember, they could both be free agents in 21. Like they, their their window could be wide. You know, like if they want, if those players want to stick together and everything else happens, it could be. But we don't know that. Right. Yeah. Um, 
No, that, I think that's that. that so, so it's he, I don't know. It, that, that's those are one of those questions that people when people start to talk about windows, they're they're always assumed to be kind of wider than they are, and and you know something like the Warriors are are much more the exception than the rule. I think like a, a team can retool and kind of stay in there for longer, but kind of under a, a specific construction, I don't think that there's that many examples of a team just constantly just, oh, run it back. We're still in our window. Right, especially if they need some sort of reform. And remember, another part of the player, player empowerment era is that sometimes the windows are shorter because even if it's a good situation, the guy just wants something else. I mean, that's what happened with Kevin Durant. And, their, and I mean, he tore his, ruptured his Achilles anyway. So it's like it would, it would have been a different story either way. But, I mean, you can see you can see a, what looks like a good group that be, it turns, if we think about it from a team perspective, really, really quickly. Now, from a specific player perspective, I, I have a – I have a pretty good confidence that if he's healthy, Kawhi Leonard will be on great teams for the next four years. But if you had to tell me which, if you had to have me bet which organization that is, it gets a lot harder. Well, right. But also the, you know, the difference between, as he gets a little bit older, the difference between him being the third best player in the NBA and the ninth best player in the NBA, just to random, you know, is, is, is substantial. And at that at that level, like small changes in in performance, I think have some pretty major impacts on on a team on on you know a team's championship prospects. And so then, that yeah, go ahead. No, and so that like uh, you know yeah, like Kawhi's teams are all, are probably going to be pretty good. But again, the difference between you know first team All NBA level Kawhi and All NBA discussion Kawhi, you know if he if if you know. If if his if if the, the kind of the leg issues that he has kind of start to uh, impinge on his performance a little bit more or something like that, which who knows? But I said certainly you have to consider the possibilities. Well, um, and, and another unknown that we're going to have to deal with you you alluded to this before is whether the structure and timing of this of of the twenty twenty slash twenty one season changes. So if it's you know if it's the same basic structure but it starts in December instead of starting in October, you know I don't think that's as as big a deal. But we don't know that for sure. Maybe it's going to be a, not like a full on lockout strike kind of schedule, but it could be very different, and then that's going to advantage or disadvantage teams as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm working on something right now where I'm kind of looking at style, change in style of play over time, and just like, you know, every, just looking at the, uh, you say the lockout, see, so just, you just look at how offense cratered in that 11, 12 season. Um, and so, um, you know, we might, there, there, there will be basketball, but it probably won't be pretty when we come back. Right, and that's that's one of the other things I was thinking about in terms of how we process, how we eventually evaluate this time, is this isn't a normal non-basketball period because one of the things that a lot of people can't do during this time is basketball. Just play basketball. Yeah. So, I mean, in a, you could think about a circumstance where, for whatever reason, you fell asleep for three months, found out there was no basketball, found out there were no NBA games played, and you go, okay, well, you, you could... The young guys got time to work on their games. They got all stuff. It's like we have no idea. So free, free idea for any uh, economic students that that might be listening is start to do some work now, finding out which NBA players have hoops at their house, and then when we then then do a study of 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 if that was a if that was a significant predictor in in uh, 
um, how they how they play when we come back or not. Yeah. Like I don't have I actually don't have a have a strong presupposition. Well, and in, also in whether area. having like workout equipment, whether it's not only how they play, but does it change susceptibility to injury? No, I mean that's I mean that's I think that's a given. I, I think so too. But how extreme? You know, like what is the delta right. on it is important. Right, right. It's a fair point. And yeah, I mean, there's there's so many. Th- so many different variables with this that are that are non-representative but also extremely important because remember like even for teams that are this is something that we just got into teams that things go really well the windows are still pretty narrow and remember that it it can be even if you don't necessarily have to be like if you're defining it by championships and i don't think that's necessarily the most reliable thing to do for various reasons is that it can't even be non-representative in that respect. The NBA's best of seven format, I think, does the best job of everything else, and every champion is a deserving champion. But if we're going to define it that way, then there are, there's a lot of crazy variants that could come into play this year. Oh no! The, like like a, you start introducing shorter playoff series as series, uh, the the um, the chances that the that the team that eventually winds up as the winner was the quote best team is lower right i mean it's just it's it's the like you say the seven a seven game nba series is is pretty good at determining that um the um a five game series less so a three game series not so much and a one game series yeah i mean then we're you know that's that's why everyone likes marked madness which you know is not the, the you know i i would have to go back and look but the 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 percentage of time that the NCAA champion was the best team that season has got to be under 50. I, I would think so. And, and, and it's something that fans, I think, if they want to be honest with themselves, should think about and reconcile. And I appreciate the NCAA tournament for what it is, but I would not like to see the NBA champion determined that way. It's because, because And also part of it is because basketball in college has these structural constraints that kind of, you know, like there are so many different conferences and all those champion, <laughs> all those champions have to be in it or something like that, like, it's just it's hard to do one, but the NBA like you, there are only thirty franchises. You could make it. I mean, I hell, I would even su- support a narrow if you could figure out a way to do it, a narrower playoffs just to take out some of the teams that that aren't wouldn't you know that just don't, don't need to be a part of it. I mean, sure, but that's you start removing playoff games as we've seen. You know, again, the the Warriors being too good for the good of the league at times. Uh, you, you reduce the number of playoff games, and then the salary cap drops, and there we go. Right, yeah, and there, there are all those, and and then the other one that I've, I, I would just, I think probably talking to players and coaches would be the best way to do it is there are many who believe that a buy like or, or some sort of thing would be good. I'm of the belief that considering how long playoff series go, that that would be a disadvantage at least in the very beginning of the next series. Ah, uh, I don't know. There's the 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 rust versus rest thing is. Uh, yeah, but like is, let's is say another... let's say it's two weeks. Like if it's if if one team is coming off of a series win, like you know hard pressed and all that, and the other team hasn't played at all, hasn't played competitive games in two weeks. I don't know. My instinct is that it that rust that rust would be a bigger problem. That yeah, but it's it's an interesting question. Sure. And I wish there was a way to test it. That would be a representative sample, and I don't think there is. Probably not. Yeah. What. Yeah. Uh, are there any other? I mean, so it's it's a very different time to be, you know, in thinking about basketball. Where we get to do more in the abstract, but also it's partial because we have to. Is there anything else that you've been kind of like working through over the last month or so that you feel like sharing? Uh, it's, it's I, I frankly I'm kind of just just now this week kind of turning back to actually 
um, thinking about basketball. So the short, the short answer is, is, is no. Um, but, um, uh, just again, kind of looking, I'm doing more, most of the stuff I'm doing now is, is kind of longer range retrospective stuff rather than, than I, cause I, as we've, as we've talked about, I think that there's a lot of, of, of you can drive yourself crazy trying to, you know, spin your wheels and, and, and logic out what things are going to look at and look like and win and all that stuff. And, and, uh, it sort of related, but I thought there was a really good piece on five thirty eight earlier this week, uh, talking about why they don't have a, a, like an infection model. And, um, obviously it's a different, different genre, different milieu, but like, there's the point that they make over and over again is there's is is there's so many unknowns like they're not there's not even stuff you can put like ranges on i mean you can maybe intuit some ranges but the ranges are so wide that like you you can't even um come to a conclusion that makes any sense because like well this the season is going to restart in uh in anywhere between 3 weeks and nine, and 9 months like okay, so design what the what 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 it looks like when we come back, given those parameters. Yeah, and it's like uh, no, <laughs> like the, those the, you know there's there just there are categorical differences at several steps along the way. So you know it's it doesn't um, it, it hasn't made a ton of sense to me to try to to again to try to logic those out. That's a, that's a totally fair point. The one that I've been thinking about a little bit the last couple of weeks, uh, Nate and I did our top 10 players in the league, I think it was two weeks ago, and one of the pushbacks, and, and I, again, I welcome criticism, especially when it's thoughtful and and framed in a non-aggro, like, terrible way, is... Um, so, the, so someone called you rather than, than tweeted at you then? And no, 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 no. It can be tweet. It can be tweeted. There are respectful <laughs> tweets as well. Okay. But in this one, largely was. So there were Nuggets fans that wanted clarification on Luca versus Jokic, and like the idea they're both wonderful offensive players. They're both limited defensively. And I didn't get into this as much in the in the podcast, and then I got into it a little bit in Twitter. But I thought take I'll take a beat to do it here. Is this idea that kind of came in in the position rankings too, which is there are specific roles and archetypes for different positions. And so I talked about this originally, I think, in the point guard rankings about like if you're a point guard that isn't great at running an offense, at creating shots for yourself and others, then somebody else has to do that. Now, there are, there are players and schemes and all that, that complementary things that can make that work. But if you don't do those things and that is generally incumbent upon your size or role or whatever – then that becomes a, a, an organizational challenge. And so that's why, let's say theoretically, you, you, someone made the assertion that Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic were identically good offensively. And even you, I think you could make an argument, and I would, that even if Jokic is better in the abstract defensively, because defense is so much more important for his position, as long as you're arguing that he's below average, not elite, wherever you want to draw the line, that that is actually less valuable because then you need somebody else to do it. I think that, I mean, I think that's right. Um, because it's not just there's not these notions of goodness aren't you know absolutes they're all relative right so like the fact that even if like on some absolute scale of all players Jokic is better defensively than Luka like he's he's almost certainly worse relative to like centers than Luka is to whatever you want to call him. And also, I would argue that center defense is also more important. So not only are you worse relative, but it's more important relative. 
Right. Though, I mean, I think that, I mean, at, the, the, at risk of being like squishy with terms, I think that's sort of factored into that calculation to begin with. Yeah. Um, it, but so. it, it, is, it is also weird. And, and I understand it. Like, and it gets into some of the, uh, Nate and I also got into a Towns Porzingis thing when we redrafted, we redrafted that 2015 class. And it is, it is interesting that so many of the most talented centers in the league right now are far better on offense than defense. Yeah, and um, well, I mean that that to some extent that might be a a function of how we're defining talent. True. Yeah. Also, I mean, so know, like, is, so like six man of the year. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> there's a lot of um, you know, I it's it it uh, it's a weird time. Hopefully, we're we're out of the out of the time period where it will be. It's weird to say positive things about Rudy Gobert, but I think that he is not given like as an archetype is not given as much credit for being talented because his talent is on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And I mean, part of it is also that defense is harder. It's harder to quantify and harder to explain. I mean, yeah. I think, I think that's an, an important thing. And yeah, I mean, and it's also true that there is a lot of value in let's say Jokic, like being the hub of a successful offense is an immensely valuable thing. It's it's part of the reason why I was beating the drum for LeBron Harden and di- different times of being super valuable is that that allows you to get away with other things at other positions. And that's true with Jokic. The challenge is that the trade-offs are different because you, it's harder to get a rim protector who plays another position or something else like that. You know, that, that's, that's a different kind of trade-off. Right. Well, and, and in some ways you kind of can't because where do they go on the court? Right. <laughs> right. And like, I, I've, I've posited the idea at various moments of like, Oh, maybe like one way to do it is just, and at moments, the nuggets have done this of just play him with another center and just kind of treat Jokic as your power forward defensively. But then it gets into, it opens up all these other things for the opponent's offense. Right. Because then either he or, or, or like Mason Plumley is, is, you know, chasing out on the perimeter. And that, that's probably not ideal, though, like Plumley probably moves his feet well enough to do it okay. But Plumley's in the game to, to like be a complimentary center. So now he's chasing out. So now you've just like added a, a, a another slow guy out on the perimeter to, per- not protect the paint so that you can have the back of the guy who isn't as good as you'd like it. So it, you, you almost double down on the, <laughs> on, on the bad parts. If you, you try something like that. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure even, even though there isn't as much going on, I still, I know there'd be plenty that we can go through, but I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's, it's a uh, good chatting and I hope all is well. It is. Uh, so thanks so much. Thanks again to Seth for taking the time. You can read him at The Athletic. You can listen to the Nerd She Wrote podcast. You can follow him on Twitter, at Seth Partnow, S-E-T-H-P-A-R-T-N-O-W. Before we finish this, I want to give you a conversation that I had, a really fun one, with Dave Mason talking about what Bet Online is doing and WrestleMania 36. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. We've talked previously about the ch- changing nature of your business in, in light of the mostly live sports stoppages, but there is an important event in the kind of sports space this weekend. I know you want to talk about it. What is that? Uh, ping pong or WrestleMania? Or <laughs> There's also <laughs> WrestleMania, I guess. Um, that's, yeah. that's a, that's a uh, popular topic this week. Um, yeah, so, you know, it, it might not have the uh, Final Four and rush race to the NBA playoffs, but uh, – Vince McMahon has his guys out there for WrestleMania, so we're offering odds for it. You know, we've we've offered odds for professional wrestling for about two years now, and uh, 
there's actually, you know, a good base of betters that, that like this stuff, you know, and it's people always ask, oh, how the hell do you offer odds on WWE when it's when it's some of it's pre-scripted or whatever. But, you know, we, we hey, we got a guy on our, on our stage, one of the odds guys, and he, he's a rabbit fan. So he knows like all the storylines and and he's really good at setting these odds. So that's one thing uh, we're lucky enough to have. A guy like that on our team, and uh, secondly, you, you know, you don't keep the you keep the limits somewhat low. I think we're doing fifty or a hundred bucks on this. So, um, you know, if news does come out or there's a leak or you know inside information, or whatever, you know, we're, we're we that we won't get beat up too bad. So, you know, and you know, if if a bunch of accounts sign up in Connecticut overnight and hit it, you know, they're not going to be hitting us for a thousand, five thousand bucks a pop. You know, they'd be hitting us for fifty bucks or up to 100 bucks a pop so you know the players love it and we're doing you know it's wrestlemania it's the biggest event of the year uh so we're we're getting some decent action on it so uh a lot of fun yeah and i heard today that you know that some of this is pre-recorded and they're going to be recording two different outcomes so there are no leaks i guess they'll be um you know showing which which side they select at the last minute so that helps us too if that rumor is true yeah, I could, I could imagine that it, that it would. And it, you got into an interesting point there, which is that as long as as long as you guys have your you know you have your risk told out in a different way, as long as you have somebody who can set reasonable lines, you, you can kind of handle a lot of different things. And you and I talked on the last one about you know getting into some of the deeper sports, the things that are still going on. And it doesn't surprise me, especially because you have experience with it, that wrestling is largely along that. If you know where to set the lines and you know that you're not going to get burned too badly, then it's more about getting engagement. And I'm sure it gets a lot of engagement. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, stuff like this, it's, it's you know, even if you break even or lose a little, it's not it's not the end of the world. You know, it's there, there there's you want players staying on your site, especially the times like now uh, and putting as much content and on the site. You know, there's all sorts of stuff we're putting up on the site that we just uncharted waters right you know sure we've done wrestlemania and wrestling odds for a couple years and we have a really good talented guy but there's all this other stuff coming up that's like oh my god how are we going to handicap this whether it's marble racings or you know these sports sims or um you know more reality tv or whatever so you know stuff like that from a business perspective sure we want to win money on it but you know, a lot of that stuff over the long run, you, you're happy to break even. It's just about keeping players on the site, betting at Bet Online. If they win, you know, you know, good for them, and hopefully they, you know, spend the money elsewhere or, or whatever. So, yeah, you, you know, it's 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 not like booking NFL or NBA or March Madness. It's just kind of a different philosophy altogether. Yeah, I, I guess that it is. I mean, you're you the as you said, like the the motive is is a little bit, but I'm, I'm sure that's common with other things. Is you just want you want people in the door, and then once they're in the door, hopefully they'll find other things that they really like. And so you have to both find things that will get them in the door, but then also find other things that will get them interested, get them excited when, once they're already there. So it's kind of like entry points and exit points, all that type of stuff. No, one hundred percent. A lot of it's about PR too. I mean, you know, you, 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 I don't know how many. You know, you set these WrestleMania and wrestling odds all together, and and there's just blogs out there just loving this stuff up, and then writers and you know, writing about this stuff because it's so interesting and different. And that that's one thing, just a, a topic over the last few weeks. I mean, as horrible as this coronavirus has been, you know, of course for the, uh, you know, 
not only just outs the outside world with more important stuff, but as the for the company like ours and just about almost every company, you know, it's it's it's, it's having an impact. Um, one of the positives, and again, I, it, from a business standpoint, right? One of the positives is like PR. You know, I I, I specialize a lot of PR, but you know, there's just so many new and interesting ways where things we're putting on the site that are a lot of people are talking about, you know, we're, we're getting more PR hits this the last couple of weeks than we did the Super Bowl. I mean, that, that's just unheard of, but well, and, you know, and you also, you also have people like in, in that line of work that are looking for things. So it's not only, absolutely. so so then, yeah, that, that, that's really interesting. And, and yeah, yep. I, I mean, it makes, it's just, we're re we're re adjusting and refocusing and all that. And so you're trying to position yourself right for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, a guy like yourself, you know, you guys are usually this time of year, you're writing all about the March Madness and then the NBA race for the NBA playoffs. But now you can't. Now, you you know, you're looking for the new story. And, and th- these stories are, are interesting. You know, I, I'm getting, you know, just myself, I'm doing almost as many interviews this week as I did Super Bowl week because everybody wants to talk about. What the hell is going on in the industry? What is there to bet on? All these different, whether it's WrestleMania, marbles, uh, Russian uh, ping pong, whatever the heck it is, what the hell is going on out there? So, it, it, you know, again, if there is one positive, uh, it, you know, besides our casino and poker numbers are going up, it's just the PR and people just talking out. And we're doing a good job with that. You know, a lot of sites are like, screw it. You know, we're just going to keep doing what we do, whatever. Uh, wave the white flag until it's new sports turn on but you know bet online we're, we're aggressive and we always want to think of the new thing and and love pr and love getting our name out there so you know we're taking advantage of this so making the best of it that's great uh we we've covered a lot of ground already but is there anything else you want to mention before we part ways nope just you know if, if you're looking to make a bet on wrestlemania or ping pong or of course the casino and uh poker room we're we're we got it for you betonline.a Come on over and keep yourself entertained if you're locked on lockdown like me and probably you right now. That's very true. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you, Danny. Thanks to Dave Mason for taking the time to come on. You can check out Bet Online and use that Podcast One promo code for now a 100% sign-up bonus, which is awesome that they doubled it for right now. Also, thanks again, of course, to Seth Partnow for taking the time to come on. The Athletic Nerdishy wrote Seth Partnow on Twitter. Definitely check him out if you have not for some reason already. Love talking with him. I have a couple different ideas for Real Gym Radio in the coming weeks. Uh, Nothing is firmed up yet, so I'm not going to announce any of it, but I am pretty excited about where things might be going. So that is a great reason to subscribe and download every episode. Also, spread the word, word of mouth, extremely important, especially during this time, because people might not think that a basketball podcast is still going on because there are no basketball games going on. But Real GM Radio will go strong until they tell me that I shouldn't. But I I, I will. Um, I love doing the show. And also leaving a rating, leaving a review in the podcast player if you're choosing. Much appreciated. And it's great if it's Apple Podcasts. Totally understand if it's not. You could also check us out on Spotify if you have not already, if that's where you're listening to podcasts. We are there now. But the most important thing, we've talked about them a fair amount on the show, but bet online. Go there, check out betonline.ag, use the podcast one promo code for a 100% sign up bonus. I have a lot still, you know, going on through all my work. Uh, Nate and I are doing Dunked On still five times a week, coming up with topics. We did a Patreon mailbag, patreon.com slash Duncan And then writing at The Athletic, I did a 2020 free agency preview on point guards that came out recently. Have a bunch of pieces in the works, both collaborative and solo, that are coming out on a variety of topics. I'm using this period to kind of 
widen the scope, which is part of why I've been writing a little bit less in terms of produced materials. I have, I think, seven pieces that are in process right now. So you'll be able to eventually check those out at The Athletic, of course, as always. And you can listen to Dunked On and keep an eye on my Twitter feed as well because it might have some cool stuff coming up in the future. There are things in the works, but... Sometimes discussions and negotiations take a little bit longer right now, but keep an eye on it. Still still working a lot, still loving what I'm doing, so I will continue to do that. And, of course, thanks to Real GM and, and everybody involved in this show for being a big part of that, too. That is all for now. So if you have any input, NBA at gmail.com is the way to do that. I, if you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it, and I will try to respond. I don't. That's not the promise. The promise is to read it, and hopefully that matters to you. If not, I don't know. But anyway, thanks so much for listening. Take care, and make it a great day.